named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add, adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to the World Class Agency Podcast. My name is Mark Worrell from Love to Move. I'm joined by my co-host, Sam Hunter from Home Search. We are at episode 98 for the podcast, Sam. Hello, how are you today? How are you finding the market? What is going on in the world of estate agency? Good morning, Mark. Hello, listeners. Uh, episode 98, that's quite cool. Um, so, yeah, man. Uh, did, I don't think two years ago we would have thought that we maybe would have done 100 episodes because we were like, let's see what happens here. We'll get a few people that we know on. We'll talk about it and uh, a little bit of consistency uh, and a few favours for some nice people who know a little bit more about property than us have gone quite a long way. So that's quite cool. Uh, I'm good. Thank you for asking. Uh, interesting market at the moment. Um, I, I, I feel like uh, the property journalists of the world um, have had their uh, articles over the last sort of seven days on ice for a few months. And now they're just putting them out day after day. And that is basically um, are people now starting to think that property is overpriced because they're no longer going to be saving on stamp duty and what's going to happen in the market after that and will we have a little collapse and all that stuff. And I think actually this is where as an estate agent, you've got to have a higher level of communication than the mainstream media because people are going to be reading that and they're going to go, okay, that must be what it'll be when the reality of what we're all experiencing in the market is that there's not enough property for the amount of people that actually need to move, let alone those that actually on top of that want to move. So I don't think the market is going to really go anywhere, but I do think over the next few weeks, people will probably try it on a little bit more because of these articles that they've read about, are you paying too much? Cause you're no longer saving in rabbit ears on stamp duty. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that's a real danger, and the press loves trying to talk the property market down, don't they? Um, but the fact of the matter remains that if demand outstrips supply, then prices will increase. It's basic economic theory, um, and I think the demand is is still there. We've actually seen two things in the last week. We've seen one down valuation by the most I've ever seen it, fifteen percent which was wow. a, phenom- a phenomenal um, amount. And to be fair, I can understand the surveyor's challenge because they're working on six-month-old data. So um, has, the ha- has the market gone up 15% in the last six months? Maybe not 15%, but it's certainly gone up, you know, and gone up pretty significantly. So the surveyors have, have got a difficult job of, of justifying the prices as well. We negotiated it. They didn't come down 15%. Um, they actually ended up selling it at the price that I initially valued it at. Interestingly enough, they wanted to try it a little bit higher and then the offer went a little bit higher again. So it it kind of settled where I felt it should have been in the market in, in the first place. So it feels quite natural, um, but a, a challenge within the market with that. So that was the first thing that we've seen. Um, within the last week. And I think there will be a bit of that going on nationwide from the agents that that I speak to. Mm. And then the second thing that we've started to see is a little bit of gazundering. It's a word that I love that, although the actual meaning of the word is a horrendous um, thing for people to do, whereby they have agreed a price and then start to try and lower their offer. Mm. Um, I really, it's something that I really, really dislike um within agency but we started to see it now or people threatening it as we're recording this on the 15th of june um ahead of the stamp duty deadline kicking in at the end of the month so we started to see people say well look if it doesn't go through for the stamp duty deadline then we want to you know reduce our offer accordingly and it's our job as agents i think in that situation to stand firm and say look that was never part of the deal and if we've done our job properly which we have when the offer was agreed we made it perfectly clear that there's no guarantees. We'll do our very best, but there's no guarantees that this will, will be through for, for stamp duty. So 
I don't know if that's something that, that you've heard within the industry that purchasers are doing, but I think we probably will see a fair bit of that um, in the run-up to the end of the month. I think it is human nature to want to sell something for the most amount of money possible and then more <laughs> after you've sold it. And it is human nature to want to buy anything for as little money as possible. And there isn't a buyer out there that wishes they could have bought a property for less. And there isn't a seller out there, even when they have genuinely got, I don't know what uh, you'd say top dollar is in this country, uh, that hasn't generally got a premium price, the last penny for their property, that wouldn't turn around and bite your arm off for another pound the next day. You know, that, so that's human <laughs> yeah. nature. And so when somebody, and, and if you're listening to this podcast over the next few weeks, you will have somebody question the price that they have offered and had accepted without shadow of a doubt. You know, so you need to know what to say. And my experience uh, would be something along the lines of, I'm glad you asked. And then they'll be like, what? Why are you glad? It's like, well, it's not the first time I've had that. And, and now I'd be explaining that. It's human nature to want to spend less on it, mm -hmm. you know. But we're still in a really strong market. And the offer that you guys made actually beat out two other parties because most of the offers that you guys are conveying now, and I'm talking to you, Mark, and everybody listening, will have had multiple parties interested. And because yeah, you're 100%. on the journey to being a world-class agent, we're all getting better every day. You would have kept in touch with those people, which then allows you to very honestly say to this person who's potentially tying to Gazunda, should I just call them back? Because they were distraught that you put forward an offer that was accepted over theirs. You know, so there's a decision that you guys have to make and I'm here and I'll support your decision 100%. You know, because if you decide this isn't the property for you, the best thing I can do for my clients is support you to get out of the way for the next person. Yeah. And so that's somebody, maybe not as direct as I've just put it across, but I'm conscious of raveling on. Uh, you're going to get them in most instances saying, oh, you're right, I do like this house. And we were only going to take yeah. two grand off or three grand off or five grand off. And actually in the grand scheme of things, that's going to help us move forward in the next chapter of our lives. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate you hearing me out. It's like when someone tries to chip you on fee at the point of instruction. They just want to be heard. You know, they want to know you're good at your they're, job. They're just asking. Yeah, they're just asking. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, that's a really interesting way of actually dealing with it that a lot of estate agents probably wouldn't think about because it's quite outside the box. You know, thank them for the conversation, tell them that you'll support them and you understand why they're asking the question, but actually you're just reiterating the information that they knew when they actually placed the offer that secured that property for them. So. And that's you know some great dialogue for um, any agents who might be facing that gazundering challenge to to take in and, and the only reason that they're thinking about taking money off is because they won the battle in the first place you know so if you say to them the people who missed out are in a position that they would offer more because they've really yeah. wanted your house you know so if we're going to have this conversation seriously more than just this chat and then they'll have the opportunity to get your house and i'd be using that language your house your home yeah yeah right because people are like what it's mine <laughs> and suddenly, yeah, it's mine. Not what, it. as soon as they think about it as theirs the opposite happens they start to believe it's worth more like the seller does when they're selling it so it's really important that you have this like that's just very high level negotiation you've got to be able to have those conversations instantly so if you need to stop the podcast, rewind two and a half minutes, listen to that again, write down some notes for when you have this conversation, because I promise you, you will over the next four, six, eight weeks. You need to know how to handle it. You know, that might not be the perfect way of handling it. It might not even be the way you want to handle it, but it's certainly the way that I would do it if I was in this market. Yeah, and that is definitely an option um, to consider. Really, really strong dialogue. Thank you very much for that, Sam. Shall we dive in and introduce today's guest? Let's do it. Back today for his second appearance on the show, we have a gentleman who for nearly a year held the most downloaded episode of this very show. Outside of one very special podcast appearance, he's coming up on 20 years in a state agency and after a hugely successful career as one in one of London's best agencies, he's now forging his own path uh, with his own company in his hometown where he set up earlier this year and gone from strength to strength in just five months. He's here to talk us through what's happened over the last few months and hopefully reclaim the most listened to title ben g of hat and home welcome back to the world-class agency podcast thank you sam morning mark good morning uh, good morning ben massive congratulations firstly 
on the uh, setup of Hatton Home. I, I love I love the brand as soon as I saw it. I thought it really sort of stands out and not surprised the success that you've seen so far. But I've got I've got a load of questions to to kick us off. So I'm going to fire some at you and, and and see what sticks. Hopefully they'll sort of stick together and tell the story quite nicely. So I want to start with what what made you take the jump? What made the decision to to go it alone? Um, why did you choose to set up in quite a crowded marketplace? And what made you choose the Hat and Home brand as unique as it is, rather than something just like Benji Estates? Okay, God, some big questions there, Mark. Questions. <laughs> Let's start with a bang. I'll start with I'll start with the first one, which is why why did I decide to set up and go it alone? Um, as Sam said at the beginning, I've been in agency for twenty years, um, and I've always worked for other people. I've worked for some fantastic brands, some really fantastic brands. And for the last sort of 16 years, I was working for two of the largest agencies in London. And I had a fantastic time. I have gone through the ranks of being a negotiator to being a manager, to being a director, to then coming off the front, front line and, and leading teams. And, you know, for the last good few years, I was leading up to 15 um, offices and developing um, you know, revenue and developing people and being heavily involved in training and working with marketing and doing some really incredible things. And it's been a really brilliant journey, but it was always for someone else. And for the last couple of years, I've definitely felt that, that as much as I was um, adding value to the business and adding value to the people that I was working alongside, I felt that there was more I could give. And to do that, I needed to be uh, running my own agency. Now, after you've been in employment for such a long time and you've got a family and you've got commitments, it, it's quite a big jump. But I think that at the age I was, I was 41 when I decided to do it, it was the right time to go out alone, forge my own brand, um, develop a team around me that were going on the same journey. Um, and I think I took that deep breath that we probably all have at least once in our life, sometimes twice, um, but at least once in our life where you take a deep breath and you just have to go for it. Uh, there, there, there were push and pull factors to, to the decision at the time. Uh, I think that there were, there were some things going on in the business that I was working in that perhaps weren't aligned with my values anymore. So I wanted to make sure that I was carving a path that was really aligned with what I felt great estate agency was, what I felt great leadership was, uh, and what I felt great branding was. And I'll talk about the Hat and Home brand because it's quite an interesting, interesting story. Um, there were and there were some other life events that happened to me as well. I was um, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease last year. Um, and that was something that if anybody's had a life event happen to them, it doesn't half put clarity on what you're about and what you want to do and how you want to provide for your family and for the people around you for the future. And it probably gave me that last kick over the cliff that I needed. So I'm very grateful that I was, in a way, given that opportunity to, to have that clarity. So uh, I decided that it was time at the end of last year to start Hatton Home. And um, I decided that my hometown of Wokingham in Berkshire, for those of you who don't know where sunny Wokingham is, uh, was the best place to do it. Uh, a couple of reasons for that. Firstly, I have been driving up and down the M4 for 12 years. And as much as I love driving up and down the M4, I was getting up at silly o'clock in the morning, getting to the office for six, getting home after an hour and a half commute. And do you know what? The commute's just not much fun anymore. Um, that wasn't the primary reason, but it was definitely formed a, a part of my decision. I also saw a gap in the market in, in the home counties to offer a different type of agency that was based around service and based around getting a fantastic result, but based around those two things working in unison, uh, not one without the other. And I'll tell you a bit about that in a minute and what that means for our customers, um, if you don't mind. So there was, um, there was definitely uh, a, a local um, knowledge that I had by living here and a local knowledge of the agents that worked in the area, some of who are fantastic, um, some of who I think will be um, challenged by a new competition in the market which I guess is what competition is about so um, it was a fantastic opportunity to do something in my hometown and I, I jumped at it 
um, we, we launched in December without uh, the office being finished. And then we formally opened our doors, not that we could open them to the public, but we just opened them and closed them again after going in on the 17th of February. So I guess we've been, as Sam alluded to, just a little over four months trading now, um, which is really exciting. It is really exciting. And, and I mean, you and I have known each other for a while and it's been, um, you talk about early mornings. I don't quite think that they've stopped because we seem to talk most at sort of 10 to 6 if I'm on a run or you're doing something at the office, most likely. Um, one of the, the points you just made there about service and results and how you believe that they should sort of go hand in hand. Um, and I think um, there's probably a bit of an echo chamber with the, the people who listen to this show as well, because uh, if everybody listens to podcasts for a reason to sort of improve themselves, improve their business. So I don't think you're going to get too many people dissenting from uh, the thought that service and results go hand in hand. But can you just go a bit deeper on that point for us about how, um, why is the customer sort of so important to you? We, we were talking before this episode kicked off about a book that I was reading and the guy sort of said one thing that everybody who's successful has in common is they said they didn't quit, but the reason that they didn't quit wasn't for themselves. It was for their customer because they believed in what they were delivering was so unique and valuable to their customer that they had to just keep going and had to keep innovating and had to keep moving the business forward. So can you talk us through, you know, why the customer is so important to you, why customer experience or customer service, whatever you call it, is so important and how that's, I guess, been one of the core tenants of the business? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we are nothing, nothing at all without our customers. Um, and we, we need them and we should work hard for them. And we should make sure that we're doing such a great job that they feel compelled to recommend us. We, we, we have a, a vision that we want to make moving home a fantastic experience. And I don't say that wrapped in a pink fluffy cloud. I say that that people should have the right when moving home, whether they're renting, whether they're buying, whatever it may be, whether they're selling or letting, they should have the right to have a great experience. It shouldn't be difficult. It shouldn't be stressful. It doesn't need to be worrying. Um, and I think that if we treat our customers in a fantastic way, then their move will also be fantastic. So why are they important to me? Because they are my business. We are nothing without our customers. And you know, one of our mantras is that we want to compel people to recommend us. And if I could just explain what I mean by that, because compel is quite a big word and I don't want to um, uh, not give it the, the clarity it deserves because it's easy to get recommended. Somebody could come up to you know one of my customers and say, oh, look, I'm looking to sell in my home. Do you know a decent estate agent? They go, yeah, you should speak to Ben at Hatton Home. Or, you know, they can go on Facebook or wherever, you know, they, they so desire and put a post out saying, I'm looking to sell my property. Who, who wants to recommend an estate agent? And you know, four or five different people will come back and they'll hopefully all say Hatton Home or they'll say somebody else or whatever it may be. And that's easy. That's being recommended. Getting our customers to feel compelled to recommend us is different. That's where they feel that they want to go out of their way to recommend us because they've had such an incredible experience, because they feel like they, they owe it to us in a way to tell other people about the service we provide. And I kind of relate that to if you're sitting in a pub and so somebody's sitting in a pub who's just used Hatton Home and they hear two people behind them and those two people are talking about moving house. And somebody feels strongly enough about the, 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 the experience they had with Hatton Home that they turn to those people and say, look, I'm sorry, I know I don't know you, but I heard you talking about moving home. And I've got to tell you, I've just used this company called Hatton Home. They were fantastic. They did this, this and this. And I, and I really think you should talk to them. That's somebody feeling compelled to recommend us. So mm. I talk to my team and, and what we try and do is, is do that every time. We try and do our job to the best of our ability that is likely to result in somebody feeling compelled to recommend us. The rest of it doesn't matter because my business is built on recommendation. Every, everything in this industry is built on recommendation. You know, whether it's recommended via a Google review or recommended via a friend or via a Facebook group or whatever it is, it's a recommendation business. And that means that you've got to give people a great service because it works the other way. The other way is easy. 
The other way is easy to not be recommended. It's easy for somebody to say, don't use that person. They didn't communicate with me. They weren't transparent. They, they weren't upfront about costs, whatever it may be. That's easy. The difficult bit is to get somebody to say they were great. They were incredible. So everything we do, whether that's you know our marketing, to our viewings, to our follow-up, to our sales progression, to how we qualify and put an offer forward, everything is based on giving somebody a great experience. And fingers crossed and touch wood, that's what's going to build Hatton Home um, and develop it over time. Can I ask a question on that, um, the, the fantastic experience? Because I think actually even using that word, it's not enough just to be great. Um, and we've had people on this show before that have said, if I don't get a recommendation, it means that I've not done my job because it is easy to say no, but it's easier again to say nothing. So if you come back to that sitting in a restaurant or a cafe and somebody says, we've got to sell our house or worse, we've tried to sell our house, but our estate agent sucked. And they just sit there and they're like, my oh, mom was pretty good. You know, or lucky we didn't use the people that they're screaming about how bad their experience was. You've not done enough then to, like, as you say, compel them to move forward. So if you're talking about every little aspect of the way you interact with, with your clients, with your customers, with anybody in your business needs to be better than great, fantastic, you know, incredible, as you just said. Can you, can you go into a bit more detail on, um, let's talk about offers for a second, because uh, it's, it's a unique market, I think, that we're, we're transitioning into at the moment where all of a sudden everything is going to seem very expensive because there's no stamp duty savings um, or at least perceived to be none moving forward. Prices have gone through the roof. So when you're taking these offers, how are you going to manage expectations in a fantastic way? How are you going to present the offer in a fantastic way? Oh, we've lost him. <laughs> Where's he gone? There we go. Well, that's all right. This is going to be weird when you ask a question and somebody's not here. We'll wait till we get him back and we'll go from there. I think, I mean, maybe, maybe your question was too long, Sam. Maybe he's just I'm, got over it. Talking and, yeah, he's just, he's just gone right. That's it. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. How about you answer this question while we wait for Ben to come back then? Right. So things are going to seem quite expensive, I think, once the lure of, of saving on stamp duty goes away. He's back. Sorry. Save, save, save by the Ben. I was about to answer the question, Ben. So how much did you hear? Uh, I, I heard about 10 seconds at the beginning, then I got a, a freeze on the screen. Apologies, gents. That's all right. Um, I'll shorten everything that I just said there. So how do you give somebody a fantastic experience when they're making an offer and they're about to not have the, the illusion of a stamp duty saving in the back of their head? So what does when, when somebody comes to you and they're making an offer on a property that they may think is you know, reasonably competitively priced. How are you making sure that's a fantastic experience? Because I actually think there are going to be a lot of scenarios over the next definitely four to five weeks where there's this like almost uncertainty back in the market now of am I paying too much all of a sudden? So how are you going to offer that as a fantastic experience to, to buyers and then presenting stuff to your sellers as well? Okay, it's a great question. Uh, and it's really interesting because I think we're all a bit unsure of what, it's going to happen in the market. I think actually the lack of stock will probably still drive um, competition amongst buyers, but I think there will be a certain group of, of people who won't be quite sure where to pitch their offer and won't be quite sure what, what they should do. And actually, I think you've got to solve a lot of that problem before you get to offer stage. And you've got to solve that on the viewing, on the second viewing. And, and then when it does come to offer stage, you've got to ask the question, which most estate agents, I think, probably forget to ask, which is, um, why do you love the property? And, you know, find out what they love about that property and talk to them about why it fits their requirements and talk to them about how long they see themselves being there and talk to them about what they're thinking about doing to the property. And this is before you talk about money or finance or timescales, um, because it's important that, that they reconfirm to themselves why they want to buy it. And I think especially with a, a C of mediocrity at the moment where the experience that a lot of buyers have had over the last three or four months with giving offers and viewings with some agents who perhaps haven't given them the experience they should have done means they're coming in quite defensive mm. and buyers are coming in quite defensive about how uh, how they should pitch an offer and the information that, that's required of them 
And I think that if you can differentiate yourself by asking the real pertinent questions, which are, why do you want to buy this property? What do you love about it? How long do you see yourself living here? And what improvements do you want to make? You've started a conversation that shows how much you care about their move. Then you can obviously talk about, and in my last podcast, I did the art of negotiation. You can talk about then why they should pay the price that they're going to need to pay and why we pitched the price in the market that we did. And then that conversation goes down the line that you've gone down and Mark, you've gone down a million times before and ends up usually if you've got buy-in from somebody who wants to buy it, you end up agreeing the, the transaction. Can I, can I ask on that, Ben, then? Because I think, I think we talked about this last time, that, that question, which is a fantastic question, why do you love the property? In your experience, do you think that someone's phoned you to place an offer thinking that the house is on the market, let's say half a million, they're going to put four, seven, five in. You've had that conversation with them. They've put the phone down and actually the offer is 485 or 490 when they only have the intention of offering 475 and they then subsequently have the conversation with their other half and they say, well, what happened? They say, well, I just realised how much we love it and we went in at that. Is that, a, is that a real scenario that happens regularly for you? It's a definite scenario that happens. Um, absolutely. Uh, in fact, I think it probably, if you've dealt with it on the second viewing and you've talked about figures on the second view and you've probably dealt with it by the time it comes to the offer, because you shouldn't, I don't think anybody should be surprised about somebody ringing up and making an offer with them. Um, I think <laughs> yeah. if you're surprised, then you're either not reading situations properly or you haven't done a good enough job at prepping them for the offer because they should be coming to you saying, look, it was great speaking during the second view and I take on board your points about value and competition in the market. I've, I've got all the information that you said I would need to be able to give you on this phone call. So I just wanted to talk through my, my feelings. Now, it, so you shouldn't really have that conversation that, that is a surprise to them. However, um, there's definitely times where people aren't sure where to offer and they are placing a value on the property that isn't necessarily a reflection of what they feel it's worth and certainly not necessarily a reflection of what it's worth in the current market. It's because somebody said to them, always go in 10% below <laughs> or somebody said, you've got to start somewhere because you're going to need to make an increase in order to get the property or the way negotiation works is, is you'll get two rejections before you get it accepted. And people are told this from every angle. Um, so they they naturally feel that they have to take that advice in some instances. So if you just give them a, a really compelling argument as to why they're much better putting their foot, you know, the best foot forward first and endearing themselves to the vendor and explaining to the vendor why they love the property so much, then you, you, you can absolutely get a better offer on that phone call than they were prepared to give and one that they're happy with, which is important. Agreed. I think you've made a really good point about where people's expectations from uh, anything to do with property comes from. And usually it's from whatever the experience, good, bad, ugly, excellent, incredible, fantastic happened in the past. So take your classic first home buyer, for instance, their parents bought something in the eighties market. Wasn't exactly racy, spicy, strong when they bought it. So they were able to actually make a really low ball off and they might've come up incrementally twice and then bought something under asking price. That's how they think real estate is. The reality of the market now is so far from what their point of experience is that they're actually giving them bad advice. So for you to bring that up and just to say, what's driving this strategy? Like, who have you taken advice from? Because at the moment, the best offers are usually the first one and they're usually very, very close to asking price. And they're actually usually accepted on the same day. So if we're not thinking about one, two or three of those things, then it's not going to probably go the way you guys want it because you told me you liked it. You know, I, you said something before that stuck in my mind. When someone's making an offer or even when someone's viewing a property, even for the first time, show them how much you care about their move is what you said. And I actually would take that a step further and show them how much you care about their future because that's, they're going to buy into you as not just the guy who's put the key in the door and opened up and said, show yourself around. You know where the kitchen is. You know, you don't need me. You're someone who's actually going to help facilitate the next chapter of their life. And I think coming back to why you started Hatton Home, that's the point, right? Yeah, it is absolutely the point. It's to just care a bit more about everybody and what they're doing and make sure that the experience they get reflects that, you know, whilst remembering we're there to absolutely mandated to sell properties for our clients at the best possible price. And that's what we do. But it doesn't mean you can't do it in a way that has empathy and compassion and humor, um, which is important. 
Um, it's funny, actually, we talk about, you talked about viewings for a second there, if I can just go off tangent. Um, I, the, the stories I'm, I hear on a regular basis about how viewings are conducted um, astonishes me. And you talked about, you know, you know, I've let you in, go, go and have a look around, let me know if you've got any questions. It's just brilliant, uh, you know, to, to hear that sort of nonsense is still going on the market. It's so much more than that. Um, and I, I, I have really enjoyed being back on the front line doing viewings again. Part of what Hatton Home does is that we, we make sure that, you know, you've got one point of contact that, that, you know, we're looking after you right from the beginning, right to the end. And that means that, you know, I'll be out valuing your property, but I'll also be viewing your property as well, you know, as well my colleagues. Um, so you've always got real experience when it matters, which is showing somebody your home. And it's great fun. You know, you can be humorous, you can tell stories, you can talk about other things that have sold. What you definitely would never catch any of us doing is opening the door and saying, have a look round. It's just, it's just not doing yourself any favors or your client any favors. I find, but it happens, which is amazing. Yeah, com constantly astonished by the act of other agents in the uh, in the industry. Yeah, um, well, that, thank God for so, that, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, that that creates the uh, the gap in the market for people like you. And it's funny you could you say about um, how much you've enjoyed being on back on the front line. People can probably hear it in your voice. I can see it in your face as you're talking about the doing viewings and and being back on the front line. It's it's really fantastic to see. Um, I want to just cut back a little bit to sort of where you were 12 months ago. Loads of our listeners um, are, you know, going through this same sort of process, thinking about going alone. And I wanted to just talk about Hatton Home and maybe we could focus in on the branding a little bit within this question as well. But I wanted to just talk about how have you cut through the noise of that crowded marketplace and get noticed so fast? Because the fantastic experience that you talk about and what have you is after somebody has had experience with your brand. How have you got in front of um, those clients really, really quickly? Okay, it's, it's a great question. It was something that was definitely on my mind um, when I was launching uh, or coming up with the idea of launching an agency. Something I absolutely knew we had to do was launch into the market with impact you have to get noticed. And I think to get noticed, this is before you have the opportunity to give a good service, okay? To get noticed, yeah. I think you need a great brand and you need a great strategy for launch in the first instance. Now, the brand, if I just talk about that, um, the brand um, was a fantastic evolution and journey that went from, you know, I suppose, yes, having, having the thought of doing, you know, Benji Estates, which I quickly dismissed, um, up to a variety of other names that I wrote down in the pad until um, very quickly realized I had to say something with with the name and the brand and it had to mean something to me and I was talking with somebody who helped with my creatives and we talked through the, the phrase of wherever you lay your hat that's your home and it's true and that's what we're trying to do we're trying to give somebody you know a place to lay their hat or you know to move on to their next place to lay their hat or and home is a very personal thing and we wanted to make what we did at Hatton Home a very personal experience for everybody who, who, who sort of had that touch point with us. So it seemed very natural to take that phrase and run with it. Um, and then I wanted to absolutely be clear that I didn't want my name plastered across um, a board. It wasn't about me. It was never about my name. I'm a part of the business. Um, uh, and, and I wanted to make sure that our brand would cut through one person or... or or one personality, as it were. So we we came up with the idea of, of using hats and hat and home seemed to flow quite nicely. And what it gave us, we realized very quickly, was a platform to market our brand and market our service proposition without necessarily shoving property down people's throats all the time. We could be clever with it. We could be witty. We could be, you know, a bit, have a bit of fun. Um, we could use it in a variety of ways seasonally um, or if there's any particular current affairs going on. So our initial brand campaign, we, um, we linked hats to property. So we might have a hard hat and talk about somebody looking for a construction project or we had a, a top hat and we said, you know, looking for Victorian grandeur. And we had a variety of these and we kept coming out. In fact, it was fantastic because we had lots of customers coming to us, giving us ideas of hats, which was brilliant. <laughs> I loved receiving those, those messages. So we had, um, what, you know, one of my favorites is just a, a picture of a small baby's bonnet that just says, looking for an extra bedroom. 
And that's quite a powerful thing to be able to do when talking about somebody's move and making that move quite personal. I think a lot of estate agencies don't necessarily have a brand. They have a logo, they have a color scheme, but they don't necessarily have a brand that they can work, um, work with to create an emotive um, feeling amongst their customers and potential customers. People stop in our window and look at our brand marketing when they have no intention of buying, selling, renting, letting. They, they find it witty and fun and they mention to us how much they enjoy it. And it's something that we can now develop and evolve over time because we started with thinking about that home move. We haven't started with thinking about how can we make my name fit? We haven't started thinking about how does this sound good or sound clever? We started with the idea that wherever you lay your hat, that's your home. And as long as we keep taking ourselves back to there, our brand marketing will always mean something to people inside the, the property arena if you're looking to buy or let. And it will mean something to people if they're looking to get, you know, to sell or rent. And, and if, we are, if we are creating um, an emotion in people, whether that is something where people think that's clever or that's funny or that's surprising, then we are getting noticed in the market. And, and I'm, I'm very grateful for the people that I work with who have got this off the ground and done some amazing creative design. Um, it really is very clever and you'll see more of it come out over the coming months. We've just launched our second campaign, um, which you can see on LinkedIn and all sorts. So um, that's, that's important. That was important in, in order to cut through a crowded marketplace was to have a brand that did something different that didn't just shout about property. Um, we also had, just to go back to your question, we also had quite a, um, an impactful launch strategy that involved some clever use of marketing boards. I don't wanna give all my secrets away, but clever use of marketing boards. So people started seeing our logo, people started hearing our name. Um, our, our launch campaign, this is interesting, was actually called Hello Wokenham. So on some of um, our boards and our literature and our direct mail, we would have uh, Hello Wokenham as our, as our logo. Uh, on, 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 on envelopes and on boards and on um, leaflets and all sorts. And one of the Google search terms that came highest when driving traffic to our website was actually Hello Wokenham. So people were, were taking this launch campaign and obviously thinking, well, that, you know, that's interesting. What does that mean? What's all that about? Who are these, uh, you know, who are these people who are, are talking about Hello Wokenham? So that was really interesting for me that when you do something different, and you do something surprising, people definitely pick up on it. And it's so easy then in a digital world to go and find out what it means, that it's also very easy to convert that interest and convert that curiosity into something that could be business for you in the future. I love that point that you just sort of made there about, and I'm frantically typing this down, but when you do something different and do something surprising, people follow up on it and that is the natural inclination of, of you see something curious or I'm sitting there watching the Euros last night and I'm thinking, I don't know any of these Spanish players, but I'm curious enough to follow up on who they are, where they play. And so I'm Googling name after name. It's the same sort of thing. You see something in the marketplace that evokes some sort of emotion, you know, and I, I think actually the, the thing I like most about your brand is it makes people smile. Uh, and that's not in a cheesy way, but you see a funny hat pun, right? And you're like, that is clever. I quite like that. And one of the things I really like about uh, that sort of branding and that kind of marketing is you're probably attracting the right kind of people as well. Because if they don't get the pun, chances are you probably aren't going to go and connect with them the way that you want to connect with them. And then when you talk about the service you offer, someone's going to be like, I just want half a percent, mate. You know? Mm -hmm. yep. And, and yep. so your brand is... Um, an attraction tool it's a, literally a magnet for your ideal customer you know and that's why it's so important we talked about with ian Macbeth of avocado same sort of stuff you know they attract their customers through their branding um it never talks about we'll do it for half a percent more instructions wanted people buy into that and i think it's the same thing with you um to sort of wrap up uh last time you were here um and you answered this question we, we made it, uh, it was a sort of 40 minute conversation all around negotiation. I want to widen it out this time around, right? And, and you sort of said that actually 
world-class agency look like when you could anticipate your roadblocks ahead of time so that you're actually in control of how things are being sold rather than forever being reacting, you know? So two years later, now Benji of Hatton Home with a beard, you know, <laughs> open collar shirt, which I think is, is the way forward. What does world-class agency look like to Benji now? Wow. I think when I talked about it last time, I was probably thinking very much at that, at that negotiation level and what it, what it looks like in terms of how you can anticipate what might happen to, to give somebody a great experience. And now I think I probably talk about experience on a much wider level. So what does great agency look like now? It looks like offering people an experience. That's what it looks like. And it, you know, if that's, if that's that you choose to offer them a fantastic experience, then more power to you because people want experience now people want to feel cared for and they should feel cared for it's exactly the reason that people will pay four pound for Deliveroo to deliver a four pound mcdonald's because they want the experience of it coming to them and people will pay good fees for good experiences and if they know they're being looked after and they've got a marketing strategy behind them and they're going to be cared for and given good advice along the way then that i think at the moment and probably for the foreseeable future is what great agency looks like don't disagree with anything that you said there that, that delivery thing um and this comes from sunday night nor Lissy and I could be bothered to cook anything. It was like we went out to a barbecue in the afternoon and we, we did that. We ordered eight pounds worth of McDonald's and it cost us £4.79 in delivery. And I'm sitting there going, this is ridiculous. But I still pushed the button and it was there 15 minutes later, you know? So you're exactly right. People will pay good money for good experiences. So uh, Ben, that was, that was fantastic. I think from like Mark and I've been sitting here nodding the whole time. Um, and we've got loads to unpack now. And I think if, if anybody is listening, that was, you know, 34 and a half minutes of gold in which you can apply in your existing agency. And if you are one of those people that listens to this show, thinking about doing some stuff on their own, there are principles there that you would be remiss to ignore um, when, when perhaps going out and doing your own thing. So from the two of us and everybody listening, mate, thank you so much for giving us your time again. I can't wait till the third one. Thanks for having me on, gents. A massive thank you once again to Benji from Hatton Home for joining us on today's podcast. Um, Sam, what a man, what a brand is what I'm going to say. Yeah, I mean, we knew what we were going to get when, when we spoke to Ben. I think actually uh, we ended up with more. It was um, it was really good timing to have him back on, I think, because his um, career and life um, has evolved so much from, from, I think he was episode three, that we had on so from nearly two years ago now to where he is now it's uh, incredible to see how he's now implementing that 20 years of experience for himself you know i think the the first point that he made it's still something that's resonating in my mind now right and that's everybody in life through their careers whether they're working for themselves or other people is hoping to have that sort of brilliant journey but it, it you only really give everything you possibly can when you're doing it for yourself and for your family and i think having that motivation um, that intrinsic motivation to go and offer everything that you believe to be best and right um, in the world's courageous thing, but it also is, it's probably the right thing to do as well. Because again, we, we talk about being customer centric and now that he's doing it all for his customers himself, his family, it allows him to do, you know, a state agency uh, as he knows it to be world-class. And it was, and you could hear the passion in his voice as he spoke about, that and you know he talked about all his experience which he's now implementing in in there to to hat and home and i just want to um come back and double down on, on something that he said and, and it wasn't a sound by it wasn't something that was rehearsed it was just something that came out and i wrote it down because it really resonated with me he talked about forging his own brand you know this desire to to give more but he also talked about developing his own team so the people within the business are clearly really important um, to him. And he talked about developing his own team and going on the journey of life and going on that journey of life together with his teammates. And I think you know, that's not agency-based, that's maybe business or, or personal. But I thought you could see within the wording that he chose when he was talking about going on a journey with the people within his team, actually, 
that's the measure of demand. And that comes through then in the fantastic customer service, great branding, great strategy, um, great leadership, great estate agency. But actually, you can probably bring it all back to developing the team, going on the journey together. I think that was a really important part that you know was just quite underlined and um, you know, we could have missed that if we uh, hadn't have been careful with it. Yeah, agreed. And and I know a couple of people that are in, in Ben's business now and he's been really careful about who he brought in um, so that they can offer that same... Um, ex- like he has very high expectations of the service he's able to deliver. And I think he articulated it really well through that conversation when he said, we're nothing with our customers. You know, we need mm-hmm. them and we should work hard to get them and we should work even harder yeah. to keep them. Um, and that's when he started talking about it, it's not enough for somebody just to go, yeah, you should use, you know, Ben from Hatton Home or use Luke from Hatton Home. It's they need to feel compelled. Like I think he said something along the lines of they need to feel like they owe us to recommend us. Mm -hmm. And to get to that point, we have to be offering them uh, uh, an overall all-encompassing experience that's fantastic. Not enough to just to be good or be great, but it's got to be fantastic and incredible some of the language that he used. Um, And, you know, that's not an easy thing to do. Um, and you've got, to, you've got to focus on it and you've got to understand, well, what does that really look like? And what are my, what are my non-negotiables to deliver that fantastic experience? It, most of it's going to come down to communication and stuff. Like, and I actually think that that's the next conversation we have with Ben in another you know, year or two's time is going to be around like how that service has evolved over time. And when he sits with somebody and explains to them how he's going to help make moving feel fantastic you know what does that involve and we'll step by step it you know i don't think we'll get all the secrets out of him just yet we'll let him get a bit more established (laughs) and then we'll go in i i think that was you know when he said that his vision for moving home is to make it a fantastic experience and how it shouldn't be difficult stressful or worrying it really made me question something that i say with clients an awful lot because the process of moving house in this country is not ideal. We talked at the intro about gazundering, there's gazumping that can happen, and then there's the whole conveyancing process, which we won't go into. But I actually talked to my clients about it being a stressful um, time and preparing them for that stress. But we're here to you know, decrease that stress and lessen you know, the burden through communication. But actually, it really sort of made me question whether I should even be having those thoughts or whether I should actually be just be focusing more on what we can do to take the stress out of the situation. So that was something that really um, made me sit up in my chair and actually sort of think, am I actually doing my job to the best of my ability if I'm not concentrating on making it a fantastic experience so it isn't stressful? Yeah. I mean, let's unpack that for a second. Like, do you talk to people about that stuff when you're, when you're sitting with a potential new client, you know, do you say moving in this country kind of sucks? And everything mm-hmm. that we do actually just is there to make it suck less. You potentially yeah, a bit more formal like language than that. But if, you, if you're <laughs> having, you know, if you're having that conversation, then you're already a step ahead of your competition. You know, and it may just be refining that to a point and articulating how you make it just that little bit less sucky. Now we promised Ben that we wouldn't swear on this podcast, by the way. So I had to hold, I had to pause myself. There. I was like, <laughs> we're going to do this. We're going to keep it child friendly so your kids can listen to it when they grow up um yeah it's um if you can articulate each of those points you know this is a pain point everybody overvalues so this is why we're going to talk about what price you need to achieve to get going finding a house is really hard so this is how we can help you go and find that marketing actually is really important this is how we help market communication the most important thing that we talk about Mm -hmm. you know so you're not just going to hear from us once a week we're going to talk to you and we're going to tell you when nothing happens because that's even more important you start every little piece of that process so that it's just a little bit better than anyone else can offer. That's sweating the small stuff. That's the big things living in the little things. That's how you can start to really put um, that fantastic experience in the forefront of their mind. And I think the communication is is so important there, but I'm certainly going to sort of take a moment after and reflect on whether what we can do better to make it a fantastic experience rather than blaming the process a little bit, which is probably what we we do at the moment. And I want to move on to Ben's discussion on offers when taking offers. The first podcast was about negotiation um, and there was loads of key takeaways in there, but from offers, the big thing that I 
took from it was that people are told different things about how they should negotiate. So when someone is talking to you about the negotiation, their strategy might have been developed on the back of their friend who bought a house four years ago or their parents who bought a house 20 years ago. And actually, that's something that I've never considered. And I think actually, as agents, we should consider that. But we should also consider that and have a discussion with not only the purchaser about that, but also probably the seller of the property as well, because actually they might get offended by a certain strategy, but we need to depersonalize it, that it might not be the purchasers and it is a strategy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, it, it, I think it does make absolute sense. Um, I was just, as you were writing that down, as you were sort of talking there, I was just sort of, uh, writing down a point that Ben made that came into my mind, I, I genuinely didn't want us to to sort of lose. Um, and it was it was the point that he sort of made on and coming back to the fantastic service of of around recommendation and referral and how it's kind of like this nonchalant thing that everyone's like, yeah, business is built on recommendations, but genuinely, go back and listen to the way that that Ben sort of talks about that because his entire business and this is a genuine startup that's been going for four and a half months officially and was sort of a soft launch for two and a half months before that like he's got a fantastic brand fantastic marketing but everything he does is to make sure that every interaction that he has gives him the opportunity and almost he then lumps the expectation those people that they've got to go and find him the next one the next one and that's so powerful and I, i'm really sorry for sort of interrupting your train of thought there but i just didn't want to lose that thought as it came into my mind because it was one thing that I hadn't actually written down. Um, and I think really crucial to his growth, but really crucial into how people continue to grow through this market that we're going to find ourselves in now because it's going to get challenging, not in, not in pricing or, or activity, but it's going to be really challenging in securing every last bit of stock you possibly can. And the skilled agents are going to really thrive. This is now the market that actually we've all been waiting for. It's been a bit easy for the last year. Now we're coming into a market where activity is strong, prices are strong, but it's only the skilled agents that are going to be able to extract the best offers that will get accepted because sellers have high expectations and buyers are feeling like they're going to be paying too much now. So this is where you can get great fees and great prices, but you've got to be the best agents to secure that stock, you know, and to be able to put those deals together because the, the cheap agents right now are going to be getting the listings but not doing the deals. You know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Bring it on. And <laughs> um, you, you talked about the recommendations there. Um, to just go back, we'll we'll come back to offers and, and and talk about that in a minute. But you you're right about the recommendations. It's not just a throwaway comment from Ben. It's not just something that you know is nice to have within the business. And I think that was so obvious by the way he talked about it and how he went deeper on actually what it means for somebody to be, to be compelled to recommend him. And you can tell that that is not just something that he thought of today. That's a conversation that he's had with his team from day one, I would imagine. You know, their opinion on to be compelled is that they turn around to someone they don't know in the pub. It's going to be challenging at the moment because they're going to be so far away from them. But turn around to somebody they don't know in the pub and say, heard you talking about this, you need to go and see Bennett from, from Hatton Home. But also maybe not just Ben, just Hatton Home as the, as the brand because something else that really um, caught my attention is when he talked about the brand, which we'll, we'll go into in a minute, he talked about it not being about his name because it was never about him. Mm. And it is, is not about him. The brand is more than one personality. But what he meant by it's not about me, is actually it's about the customer. Isn't that really interesting so we, we talk to everybody. And I think actually, Ben, in, in that chat, it is about his customer, which is it's about, you know, real estate is about people. You know, yeah. if we can get really specific on that off the back of, of the conversation, Ben, you know, real estate is about the customer. You know, perhaps that's what we need to sort of be saying uh, week in, week out, because his idea of building a brand and launching and being clever and witty and creating emotion. And I, I really like it when, when he said, when you do something different and something surprising, people follow up on their curiosity. And so yeah. that allows them to discover more about you online and everything like that. If you're looking at some of the 
um, noise that's out there in the market now. It's all about real estate being about people and being about the real estate agent. Whereas Ben's gone, real estate's about people, but it's about the customer. And our brand is there to engage the best customers, which is why his face isn't everywhere, which is why it's not Benji estate agent. It's why it is Hatton Home. It's why when he's got an Australian client looking for a house in Wokingham, he sends out a photo of a corked floppy hat, you know, saying, can you help these guys buy? That stuff is fantastic. That's real branding. That's witty. That's going to attract him, his ideal client, as we were sort of talking about. Um, and that's what property being about people is actually all about. Not actually about the estate agents, which perhaps is where that message, I think, is being confused on the internet at the moment. Yeah, I think that's, that, I think that's a really interesting point. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. You know, um, I've got some views on that, which we won't go into now. Um, but I'm sure we'll have a conversation one day soon when we can meet up um, for an ice-cold glass of lager. Anyway, it's a bit early for that. So um, let's just go back to offers for a minute because um, we, yeah. we talk, talked about it briefly, um, but we, we jumped around it. So Ben talked about solving the price challenges before the offer. Um, and I just love that question when taking an offer. Why do you love the property? Focus back on mm. that and get them to reconfirm to themselves why they want to buy it. And it's all part of preparing the purchaser ahead of actually then making the offer, which is a really, and it goes to show the level of detail that he applies to his business, that it's not just opening the door and saying, go and have a look around. That actually the purpose of that second viewing is to prepare the purchaser ahead of the offer so that, you know, maybe the, the offer at the 485, as I talked about rather than the 475, what was really, um, very, very powerful and you could see how it could really work in practice. Yeah, and I think it, it, it tied in nicely to um, his answer about what world-class was, like offering them, offering everybody you meet an experience because yeah, people, people trust in that. And actually when you're talking about the experience of making an offer, it's a really nervous one. So when you decide mm -hmm. that you want to buy a house, it's quite aspirational, you know, you decide you're going to buy, you look at your bank balance, there's enough money in there that you can get a deposit, mortgage rates, you speak to a broker, he's like, I'm going to get you the best lowest rate possible. It's going to be the best thing ever here. Have this piece of paper that says you've got an agreement in principle. It's all very simple and quite easy. And it feels quite breezy. Four months later down the line, you've got two months left on that agreement in principle. You're a bit freaked out. You've seen nothing you like, something comes along and then suddenly you make an offer and all that money that's sitting in your bank account, you start thinking of what it's going to look like when it's not there anymore and so this is why everyone tries to buy cheap this is why you're having conversations with people about gazundering now because it becomes very real it's a scary thing yeah so to remind them of what they loved about it because you asked that question the day before or two days before or the first time you met them or anything like that's a great way of asking for feedback isn't it what you love about the property you mm -hmm. know if you guys would live here what would be your favorite room you know, do you want to come back at a different time of day? Whatever it's going to be, what that does, and Ben said this perfectly, because it shows them how much you care about their uh, their move. You know, yeah. And I think you highlight that. Suddenly, they understand that you're there to help them, like tick off a box that means so much to them in their lives. You're not there to get them up ten grand in price. You know, that may be the end result but you've done it the right way. Same thing with the August undering people, right? You're there to help them move into the house that they wanted to buy for a great price because in this market, when things are going up, it's a great price regardless of whether they think of it or not. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. You know? So, you know, has anything changed about what you loved about the property? No, then why's the price change? You know? You guys told me that you loved the kitchen because you could see out into the backyard and it meant that kids can play while you're preparing dinner for them on the summer's afternoon. You know? Has anything changed? No, then how come it's we're on at 500? You were there straight after three other people, and we're sitting here talking about 475. You yeah. Know? So I think showing people that you care about how they're moving, their future is hugely important to delivering that great experience. And that experience is what allows you to offer something quite world class. And that's then, you know, I love that people pay good fees for good experiences. You know, if we take that a step further, people pay fantastic fees for fantastic experiences. People pay incredible fees yeah. for incredible experiences. So you start thinking about that for your business, then you start generating some world-class fees, then you start having a world-class estate agency and you're off to the races. And all that you talked about there, and particularly about the offer and the why 
tell me what you love about the property. You insert an emotion into the conversation rather than, rather than having a cold conversation about a property. You're inserting mm. emotion into make it a home. Um, you're making it very personal. Ben talked about the emotion um, within the brand. So I think that's another key takeaway that people can implement into their agency to have emotional conversations rather than just conversations about about property. That's what where it makes it about people, not just about property. Um, so fantastic. I mean, we could go on and on, I reckon. Um, Sam, there's, so, there's so much um, within that chat, but um, we're, we're going to wrap it there. Massive thank you once again um, to Ben for, for joining us. Another fantastic episode. Let's see if um, it can be given the title of the most downloaded episode ever, I'm sure. If you listen to the first one, then you'll be really interested to, to listen to this. And as you know, if you listen to the show on a regular basis, we do this because we love our industry. We want to see it improve and get better. If you do, in fact, um, enjoy listening to podcasts, please rate, review, and share the podcast wherever you listen to them. I'm Mark Oral. He's Sam Hunter. Thank you very much. We will see you next week for episode 99.